And so I actually ended up dropping out of high school, not once, but twice. I never graduated. And while all my friends were off to college, I was living with my parents, gaming up to 16 hours a day in their basement. I remember I was, I was drunk when they handed me my son in the hospital. They didn't know I was drunk. I worked with people who could stay abstinent from crack cocaine. And then they went back to prison because they could not stay abstinent from marijuana. They will send inappropriate pictures, primarily of their body parts. Our teens will send back their naked pictures or partially naked pictures. I had overdosed in eighth grade. I think that was shortly after I was suspended. Our teens are going through their hardest life transition in a world of rapid change and information anarchy. These are their stories and the advice from experts dedicated to helping them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Sometimes I have the opportunity to keep in touch with graduates of our program. And uh, as you can expect with the nature of addiction and recovery, sometimes I lose touch with graduates as they go not just through life but through struggles. I have on the line with me what we call a Fire Mountain OG. He was, he was in the early stages of our program. He was, he was one of our earlier kids. He had come to us around 14, 15 years old and he had a weapons charge and he had had some struggles with drugs and he was with us for a little bit. And some of you may remember him or uh, will get to know him as he was one of the, uh, the kids featured in the extreme couponing show that Fire Mountain was on called Let Me Prove It To You. He's enjoying the the side of life that is what comes from sobriety, right? He's enjoying the success of sobriety. But how he ended up there is the dark side of the story. It's the darkest part of addiction. And I want Caleb to tell you his story and let you see that total path in and out of drugs and in and out of jails and in and out of institutions. And in the 12 steps, they say that addiction leads to jails, institutions, and death. And I would like to believe that institutions are the the doorway right before the gates of hell, that, that that's the one place you can go not be punished for what you've done. My guest today has been through every doorway. And he's seen all sides of addiction. And as always, I want parents to understand this is more than just bad choices. This is more than just a bad friend group. This is addiction. And it's the utter insanity of addiction. This is jails, institutions, and death. This is Caleb's story. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. Hey, Aaron. How's it going, bud? Good, Caleb. How you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. Uh, you know, enjoying the day. Enjoying the day. Good. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on here. I really appreciate that. That's awesome. Of course. I, I really, I really love the fact that through the years in the, in the, in the times of light and the times of darkness that you've kept in touch with me. I've enjoyed watching you from afar. I feel like I know you very well, even though we haven't been around each other for years. You know, we've seen a lot together. You've been through a lot. And, uh, and I, I'm just, I'm really thankful that you've kept me as a part of your life, Caleb. It's, that's been very important to me. I've always loved you a lot. 
Well, Aaron, you know, um, you kind of saved my life in a way. You know, you, I, I was going down a bad path. I didn't, I didn't understand I was going down a bad path until, until I met you and, and you showed me the right ways to live. And, you know, I still use things today that you, you've taught me. Um, when we go on our camping trips, you know, I still go camping. I, I stay outside all the time, you know. <laughs> That's so awesome. And, you know, so I, I use that stuff. I drink the mate tea that we used to oh, drink no all the kidding. time. Oh, that's yeah, still part like, of the program. That's awesome. Yes, definitely. And, you know, like, I'm, I'm so thankful that I have the life I have today, you know, like, I, I couldn't be here if it wasn't for you. You know, after you left Fire Mountain, things things were up and down. You went back into the world, so we won't call it relapse. And I heard something the other day that was really powerful. A guy said, relapse is not part of recovery. Relapse is part of addiction. And when you left Fire Mountain, you weren't done yet, were you? No, no, of course not. I, I've gone through um, I've gone through many years of struggle, even after Fire Mountain. But I've used the tools that I learned at Fire Mountain to help myself get out of that, out of that lifestyle. I remember I got a, uh, you and I were talking briefly and uh, you had contacted me after you had uh, uh, tried meth and you were totally freaked out by the experience. You, you, you said, you know, you, you had always been afraid of it and you, you know, now that you had tried it that one time and you reached out to me, you were like, I get it, like never again, on and on. Did that last or did that become one of your struggles? No, that, that, that was definitely a big struggle. Um, that's actually what has pushed me to the point to where I'm, I'm clean and I can't do anything like that anymore. That right there pushed me to where I was like, I can't live this way. Like, like I was doing things that normal people don't do, but it seemed so completely normal to me. That specific drug made me think everything I was doing was okay. And when I would come, when I, when I finally came to realize like, like, oh my gosh, this is not, this is not what I need to do. This is, um, it was, it was, that, that was definitely a hard time in my life. You've had a few rock bottoms. Yes, definitely. Uh, quite a few times I've gone up and down. I've, I've gone up to where I'm flying over the world, you know, and I'm doing good and, you know, I was making super good money and then boom, crashed back down. And I've done that a couple of times, you know, on I feel I'm I feel I'm over it. I I really hope so. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you what are what have you been able to look back and say and figure out what the what the 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 triggers for the crash, what the triggers to go back with. Is it is it the general, oh I could handle it now? Was it some life issues that were coming up that were just too intense to deal with? Like, is there any theme to the party that you can look back and say, ah, every single time that happened and I went back to drugs? It's when I, I get away from my family and I'm by myself and I feel alone in the, not just alone, like sitting at home alone, but alone in the world myself. You know, like I feel there's no way for me to like grasp on and just hold on for a second. It's always, there's always like a big spiral. And that that's what usually is what pushes me to go use the drugs is being away from my family and not not staying in contact with the people I need to be in contact with and having my life. I feel like that's the biggest trigger for me as, you know, the, the being alone part and thinking I can somehow handle it on my own. 
did it always go like zero to 60 or did the spiral begin with you had a drink or you smoked a bowl or, and then you, you went on and someone had some Coke and like, like how, or was it right back to the, the deep and dark? Yeah, that's usually how it goes is it'll, it'll, it goes from zero to 60 real fast. Like, like I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be doing fine. And then, you know, like I got this job doing construction and I couldn't handle the job. You know, it was way too much for me. And that's when, you know, all I just, I, we hired this guy and once we hired him, I started talking with him. Turns out he does drugs and right, right when he, right when I heard that, you know, we went and picked some up and it was over with. Like I, I was ruining everything. I broke the company trailer, the company truck. I was, you know, ruining the jobs. Like, it does. It goes. It goes from being okay to not being okay real fast. Were you using the twelve steps? Did you go to meetings or had you? Had well, no, you that, that's the thing. Is I didn't. I didn't. I didn't stay around. Like I said, I didn't stay around people that I need to be around. I would just. I was like, oh, I got this. You know, I'm off drugs. I don't. I don't need those people. You know, blah 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 blah. And that. That's when. When you start thinking you got this. That's when that's when you crash, you know, it's like you got to understand that you can never go back to that because you'll never have it. You'll never be able to control it ever. It doesn't matter what you do or what drug it is or when you do it. You can't you can't control it. Some people can. Why can't you? Well, I can't control it because it's okay. So a drug is a chemical and it changes your brain. It doesn't help you. It, it changes the natural state of your mind and it changes it to something completely different, like out of reality. And that that's what I liked about it is it would take me out of reality. And once I was out of reality, there's no control. It's over. You know, you can't control something you don't understand. Do you find yourself now ever having the thoughts of you got this or when you have it, what's your next thought? Well, you know, that's, that's where I am right now, actually, is I'm, I'm, I'm to the point to where I'm like, you know, like drugs, drugs can't get to me because I don't, I don't put myself in the situation anymore. And I, um, it's just not controllable, you know, it's just, it's just you get to that point and, and you, you, you do it, you slip up. And then once you slip up, you just keep sliding, you know. Go back to the beginning, like way back to the early days. How did all this start? Well, it all started pretty much when I was like eight years old. I think that's when my addiction really started. And I know that sounds weird, but it started with cigarettes. And um, when I would go to my dad's on the weekends, I had a stepsister that, you know, smoked cigarettes. And I thought it was cool. And so I started smoking cigarettes. And then, you know, by the time I was 10 years old... I was sitting in my bed, cutting my wrist, going out into the garage, smoking little cigarette butts, you know, that I found. And that's what really started it, I think, is the, the, the cigarettes. And after that, that was a bad time, really, too, because my mom was married to, um, married to this, this guy that was, he never, tra- he never treated us very well. He always treated his kids better than us. He used to like, he used to beat my ass every single day of the week. 
Like, there was no breaks. I was always getting my ass beat. So I was like, well, I'm just going to be bad anyways. And then that cycle, you know, the cycle of doing it over and over and over and over again just brought me to the point where I started, like, trying to find, like, little pills or something. I didn't even know what they were. I just knew that they would get you high. And so I'd find them. I'd either crush them up and snort them or just eat them, not even knowing what it is. And, uh, you know, then that's when my mom, my mom was like, no, we got to do something about this. And we met you. There was a lot going on back then. It was just, and I think, you know, like my mom, she was using drugs during that time and she didn't, she didn't see what was happening. And it's been in our, it's been in my life since I can remember. Drugs have always been in my life. No matter if I'm doing them or if someone else is doing them, whether it's friends or family, it's always been there. And so like that, seeing it as a, at a young age, you know, makes you kind of think it's all right. And when you think something's all right, you know, why would you stop doing that? You know, why do you, why would you stop doing something that's all right? And so like as a young mind, you can't, you can't like understand that concept of, Hey, this shit is bad for you, you know? Especially when when the adults around you look to be like the adults. And if that's what adults do and they have these great lives, then that's what you do to have a great life. Yes, exactly. And I went through my entire teenage years doing drugs. Like right now is the longest time I have clean since I ever started using drugs. I've never had this long clean. How long has it been? It's been six months. And, you know, out of out of six years of, you know, continuously using drugs and, you know, disobeying. It, it feels it feels really good to be where I'm at right now and be able to function as a regular person and not feel like everyone's looking at me and everyone is like it, it feels like it feels it's like the worst feeling that you can even imagine. Like you're and, and then you did it to yourself. And you start saying to yourself, why, why are you doing this? Like, you're a dumbass. Like, you're so stupid and you, you start downing yourself and it makes you want to like, makes you want to do them even more because you're like, well, I don't see myself doing anything better than this, you know, like, I'm a piece of shit. So why should I try to be a doctor when I'm a piece of shit drug addict, you know? Like, and then that gets, that gets stuck in your head. And there, you can't, you can't get it out. It's, and, um, like, as you know, my brother, he committed suicide over this. He, he couldn't get out of it. He felt so stuck. And, you know, me and him used drugs together too. We used drugs together for quite a while. That's when I got into that whole, that whole meth situation is, you know, when I was living with my brother and we were doing the, the construction and, you know, he, I, I had moved down here to Florida to get away from it and he couldn't get away from it and he got himself in debt. He got himself in a really bad relationship and, you know, he just, he felt so hopeless that he couldn't get out and he's a very strong willed person. Like he, he, he's the strongest person I ever knew. You know, he was like my, if he did something, then it was probably the right way to do it because he had a nice truck. A nice house, a kid, a, a, a good looking wife, like all of that. And it just, it just goes to show that, you know, no matter what you have, if you use drugs, it will ruin your brain and it'll, 
It'll make you feel like a piece of shit, and it'll make you hate yourself. They're they're terrible. I I absolutely hate them with a passion. I mean, your brother committed suicide about six months ago, isn't that right? Yes, and that is that was one of my breaking points because when I moved here to Florida, I still struggled for a little while, and it wasn't with the same drug; it was with a different drug. So I was like, "Oh, it's all right," you know. But um, after my brother killed himself, the doctors were telling us that it's a it's a drug psychosis. That's why he did that. He his personality wasn't like that, you know. He he never he never talked about wanting to kill himself. He never. You know, it just, it just happened. He never thought he was going to die like that. He didn't picture his life that way. He didn't want to live that way. And when he got caught up in it, he didn't understand why he was stuck. And so he thought his only option was to like blow his brains out as, as bad as that sounds. But that was definitely the, the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I, like my brother, he's, he's gone because of this, because of addiction. And it's it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with. My my brother my brother shot himself because of drugs. And two months before that, my granddad died from liver cancer because of drugs. And my sister's cousin passed away a month after my brother from an overdose. It's it it like that's three signs within one year of like, hey, look what this shit will do to you. That's three people in my personal life that have have been taken away from us because of a freaking drug, you know, like it, it's 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 insane. It's the most insane thing. Like, I can't even wrap my mind around it. it how, how come it takes and, and you and I talked about this a little bit off the air about this idea that that addicts are just making bad choices or stupid choices. So if it's. How come it takes three people dying, three people that you know, three people that you love, someone you're as close to as your brother dying before you get a clue and start making different choices? Well, you know, like I said before, with the um, with the, the drugs making you think everything is normal, somebody that's doing drugs doesn't understand that it's wrong. Because that's what drugs do to you. It's a trick. It, it is. It's a trick to make you think that hey, everything's all right right now. Until a couple of hours later, when you come down and it's not okay anymore. So like the the taking the three people dying. I hate that. I hate that three people in my life had to die for me to get over this. You know, it's it it, it makes like I feel guilty all the time over my brother's death because before I moved in with my brother, he didn't use drugs. He was against it. I remember he showed up at the hospital after I had overdosed and was like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? And he went to my apartment while I was in the hospital and he cleared my apartment out. He cleaned out everything, took all the drugs, all the paraphernalia, got rid of all of it. A couple of months later, I move in with him. He starts doing drugs. And then once he was to the point to where he couldn't handle it anymore, me and him were fighting back and forth with each other all the time because, you know, like, we didn't know how to get out of it. We were fighting back and forth all the time, and we didn't understand, like, how to get out. And it's, I guess, 
to be able to get off of drugs, you have to want to. What made me want to get off of drugs is the people in my life dying over it. That was that is what pushed me to the point to where I was like, I no longer want to do drugs. Now let's move to the next step and actually get off of drugs. How do you maintain your sobriety right now? What are your rituals? What are your routines? <laughs> lots and lots of uh, family support, most definitely. But, you know, one thing that I like to do is I, you know, like I told you, I'm living in Florida now and I live out on the water. So if I ever, if I ever feel angry with anybody or angry at the world or feel like I want to go use, I can just step outside into my backyard and I can sit down and breathe in the fresh air and just, just enjoy the nature. You know, nature is what helps me a lot. Like that's why I do the kayaking thing all the time is because like the being with nature for some reason makes me feel comfortable. It makes me feel like I'm, like I'm, like I'm being held by, by a power that's bigger than me. Is that, is that important to you? I mean, I, I can't say I remember very well whether or not, I think, I think you did have a, uh, a relatively benign relationship with a higher power when you and I, you know, first met and were working together. But has that changed for you? Is, is it nature? Is it God? You say you camp a lot now. My relationship with God is like, um, that's what nature is to me. That's what the world is. Everything, God is in your head. God is in my head. God is in the people listening head. It's everything around us. God is everything. And if you can just sit there and, okay, so drugs, that's not God. That That's far from God. That is what people would call the devil or demons or whatever you want to call them but god is god created this world and he gave us he gave us everything for a reason he gave us the he, he gave us the water to hold the fish that we eat he gave us the plants the trees to make the oxygen that we breathe and that's that's what i see as a higher power is the whole universe is god everything in this space is god you know, like we are all made out of out of God. And that's why I like to go be out in nature is because I feel like I'm being held by that high, higher power. Like it's like a hug from God, if that makes sense. It does. Are you currently going to meetings or are you currently working stamps or, you know, um, what, I, I am not family? actually um, because and that is for one reason. There is a NA program here. And it's right down the street from my house. Well, I was going there before my brother had passed. And, you know, like, I, I stopped going for a week. Because I, I went to go visit my dad up in Alabama. And I stopped going for a week. And when I stopped going, I didn't get one single phone call. I didn't get a text message. I didn't get anybody calling me saying, hey, like, are you all right? You know, like, you haven't been around lately. We haven't heard from you. You're doing okay. I didn't get that. And so, but the people I do get that from is my family. That's who calls me and asks me if I'm okay when they haven't heard from me. And they, they say we, we, um, we can only keep what we have by giving it away. Well, they didn't give it away to me, if that makes sense. They, they just, they just forgot about me, which when I did leave for the week, I was fine, you know, 
I didn't go and relapse. I didn't go do any drugs, but I I was kind of hoping for that. Like, like you can't get through this without support. And that's what those NA groups are supposed to be is support. And they didn't give me that. Have you had good experiences in NA in, in? Oh, yes. Yes. Of course I have. Especially when, when I was in Fire Mountain, we would go, when we would go to those, those NA meetings, everyone there was very, very like, real with you you know it wasn't bullshit it was them really caring about like us as teenagers coming in they thought that was awesome but they see a 20 year old coming in and it's like like i feel like the the people here they they didn't they're not they're not following how na is supposed to be and that that's why i don't go to the ones here but i've had very good experiences with na Especially up there in Colorado. You, you had talked about when I, when I first approached you about doing the podcast that you're, you're kind of coming to the space of wanting to share your story with other people. How come? Well, you know, my, my story has been a very, very long journey. And I feel that, that if people saw what I went through and got out of, and I, I got through that and now where I am today, like if if the people listening knew me as as an actual person and they could come and talk with me and talk with the old me, they would say, hey, that's a that's a completely different guy. That's not even the same guy. Like I meditate. I go out in in the nature. I do all the all these things to keep me active and healthy and keep my mind like sane. You know, I wouldn't have done that back then. I would have just went straight for the drugs to try to clear my mind which all that does is you know obviously uh um cloud your mind up but i feel like i can i feel like i can change people's minds or at least show them like like if you can show somebody that a life without drugs is better than a life with drugs why would they not want to change it would make them want to change it would it would make it would make them feel like comfortable to be able to do that. If they saw that I did that, that you did that, it would make them feel a little more comfortable. But people that do drugs hang out with other people that do drugs. And so they're not around any of the, the positivity of life. So you're working now. You, you, are you in a relationship or are you trying to stay sober from women too? <laughs> oh, uh, that's funny you say that actually. Cause I am, I'm, I gotta stay away from, um, I've been staying away from everybody, actually, because, you know, like going through the years of all of this, um, either being clean or being not clean, both sides, my friends have ended up screwing me over in the end. And so because of the people you you pick to hang out with because they reinforce the drug using lifestyle, are you still hanging out to strawberries, even though you're allergic to strawberries? Well, that's exactly, that's what I was trying to say is like, like, like it, the, I guess the people that, that I attract are, cause I'm a very kind person. I'm like, at least I feel like I am, you know, I feel like I'm very nice and I always try to help. And when people and, you know, this time of day, like they see, like they see somebody they can take advantage of. And that's what I'm tired of. I'm tired of 
you know, like putting effort into relationships with friends or girlfriends or whatever it might be, like you put in all this effort and for what? For them to, for them to steal from you or for them to, to go behind your back and talk a bunch of shit about you or whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just very picky about who I can be friends with and who I want in my life. I have no room for any negative relationships in my life. And that's why I stay with my family. I know my family. I know they're, they only have the best intentions for me and they only, they only want to see me thrive as in people that you meet, like new people that you can meet. Don't like, they might not care about you. They might not care that, Oh, he only makes $500 a week. So let's try to scam him out of 300 of it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, I don't, my family won't do that to me. It seems like, and I, I remember experiencing this. It seemed like since we, you know, how we act is what we attract that for the longest time, even in my sobriety, I had had 14 years of attracting a certain kind of person into my life. And that was a person who would facilitate my drug use, would encourage my drug use, would tolerate my drug use. And even when I got sober for the next few years, I didn't know how to get some other kind of person in my life. My picker oh, was that, broken. That, that is my problem exactly. I don't know how to attract the right people yet. I don't know how to say, like, because I, I'm, I'm not that good at understanding who people actually are because people put on fronts. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of naive, like I'll fall for it, you know? And so I just, I, I try to keep myself distant if possible. And I hate that I'm like that because I, I have terrible social skills. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm terrible at social skills, but are you, are you an addict? Do you call and refer yourself to yourself as an addict? Um, I refer to myself as a either recovering or recovered addict. Okay. I'm not a um I'm definitely I wouldn't call myself an active addict. I think that that there's there's different terms to be used. How else how else does your addiction show up? If you're not doing drugs and you're not drinking, how where else does your addiction show up? Well, you know, I work at a gas station where I sell lottery tickets and oh, I can't lie. <laughs> I can't lie. Sometimes I just I get the itch to play it, and I can, I'm just like, dang it, man! All right, I'll just spend five dollars, and then I'll end up spending like twenty instead of five. You know what <laughs> I mean? I can't. That that's definitely one thing. And um, I've been trying to quit cigarettes lately too, but that's uh, that's that's a little hard. If you were to if you were to be able to look away from the things we do—the drugs, the lottery tickets, the cigarettes—and come back to Caleb. What's Caleb's problem? What's Caleb's core issue that leads to all these other things? What pain are you trying to mask? You know, Aaron, uh, that's something that I haven't really figured out yet. I think, um, I know, I know like when, when I do drugs, it's, it's that, it's that like, I feel like I have a fear of being, being left alone and, Drugs won't, drugs won't leave you alone. You know, they'll, they'll stick by your side until you're dead. Drugs will hang around forever. And that's one thing that, that would make me, make me want to do them. Like, 
they, they they'll never turn their back on you, you know, but they do they will trick you. They'll the just like the friends will, you know, they'll um they'll trick you into thinking everything's all right when it's not. So, is it too soon to talk about your future? Are you still in the day-to-day or are you do you got a pretty you know, wide vision right now? Honestly, Aaron, I want I want to do what you do. I want to be able to help people how you do. And I want to be able to, like, you don't just help people that come into Fire Mountain Sober Home. That's not all it is. You help people all over the country, all over the world. Like, you, like, people, people respect you. And that's, that's what I want. And maybe not specific, like, exactly what you do, but I, I want to be able to help people and be able to show them, like, the reality of life. I want to be able to show them, hey, Drug use is not the way to go because drugs, drugs are a huge problem in our world today. They're, it's a very huge problem. And I, all I want to do is to be able to help those people get better and understand that there is like life is freaking beautiful. You know, it's amazing. And that, that's what I want to be able to show people. I just not sure how to get to that point yet. You know, I, you, you talk about regrets. You talk about the guilt and everything. And, and you and I both know that shame and guilt are the twin pillars of addiction. Like those are the worst feelings that send us screaming back to using. And you talked about, you know, the guilt you feel around your relationship with your brother and something that I navigate often because for every child that's a success, for every five kids that are a success that come out of Fire Mountain, there's one that goes up and down and through hell and back and you know there's the angus story our our friend angus who ended up struggling and and being murdered for it and then there's and you have regrets and and so my question is what could i have done differently to help you not go through that pain what did i not show you what did i not communicate about it that sent you back and is that fair for other people to take responsibility for other people's lives. Well, that's one thing. There, the, what I, I, I was, I was young at that point. I was still 15 years old. I was still at the mindset of, God, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here so that I can, you know, I wasn't in the right mindset. I wouldn't necessarily say it was you. Everybody on this earth has a free will to make their own decisions. Like I said earlier, whether it's good or bad, that could be, you know, that could be up to the universe. You could make the decision to drive to work, get in a crash on your way to work. You are making a good choice to go to work. And it's still, you know, you still, you still got in that crash and died. You know, it's not, it's not something that like, like my life, you have no control over my life. No, I have no control over your life. So I wouldn't even say there was something that you did or didn't do to make me realize that. I feel like I was destined to go through this. It was something God wanted me to go through for some reason to learn something. And, you know, I haven't really learned what it is, but I have learned that drugs are not the right way to go. <laughs> so then <laughs> do, you, do you apply that same philosophy to you and your brother? Do you, do you take that on yourself? Well, what do you mean? Well, I mean... You know, I asked, what could I have done different? So I guess my question is, what could you have done different with your brother? Oh, man. 
Well, I mean, I feel like, I feel like it was destined, you know? I feel like he, he was put here on this earth to teach me some things, to teach my family things. And that, that guy, my brother, he's taught me, he's taught me more when he was dead than he did when he was alive. Like I've, I've moved on in life like so much more than I did when he was here. Like he, and the, you know, I, he, he, it, I feel like it was just, he would, if he didn't die from shooting himself, he would have died from an overdose or he would have died in a car crash or he would, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like the, the, the way you do things is, um, you know, you got to be very careful with what you do, but you can all, you also got to be like, well, no matter what I do, this could happen. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. like, if I, if I stayed with my brother and went through that with him, then maybe we both would be dead right now. How about and, you? How about you and death? I want to talk about you and death for a second. How many times have you come close? There's been quite a few times where I've wanted to just like, wanted to kill myself, you know, just like what my brother did. He He's the only one that went through with it. But there's one specific time um, that I was actually scared I was going to die. Like, I was like, this is it. I'm going. And that's when I overdosed. That's when I... I took a I took a whole bunch of Xanax and I drank a bunch of alcohol on top of it and I was like I was going like I knew it I was like I'm about to die you guys I called my mom and I was like mom I just want to let you know that like I'm leaving I just wanted to tell you I love you and all this and that was I feel like that was probably my my closest experience to death like myself um was that time and you know, I, I actually I haven't even taken Xanax since then. Like I, it was it was the scariest thing I've ever gone through, probably. It's a lot of death. Let's talk a about, lot of death. Let's, a lot let's, of death. Let's talk about the jails because I knew when you and I first met, you had had an experience with the police and stuff. What about since then? Yeah, back then, back then I've you know I've had a little encounters with the police. I I didn't like. I never really got into that much trouble with the police, but more of after I turned 18 is when I started getting in trouble with the police. At first, I got caught with some drugs, and they put me on probation. I tried to quit for a little bit when I was on probation because they put me on color code. I failed the color code, and, you know, that put me in jail. And then I had missed a court date while I was in jail, which put me in jail again in another county. I don't know how that ha- it was like it was because I went to jail in Alabama, but I had a court date in Tennessee while I was in jail. And so I missed that court date. But since they're two different agencies, I guess they don't like they don't do that or something. So I ended up having to go back to jail for that. And I've dealt with that a little bit. And, you know, I feel like jail doesn't help. It doesn't help anybody get off of drugs. It it, it only it only puts you in in school so you can get a degree in drugs if that makes sense yeah that's where um that's where drugs will take you they'll either they'll either take you to jail or you're gonna die you know you either get better or you die that's just that's just it's as simple as that and so you know for anybody that does drugs that's the reality of it right there you either go to jail and get better or you go to an institution and maybe get better 
or you die from it, you know? It's a hard struggle to make it through. What do you what do you think for the short term? What does your next week, your next month look like? My next week is um I was hoping to go and actually get my my tattoo from my brother today cuz that's something that I've really been wanting to do as a like, you know, like a symbol for my brother like, "Hey man, you helped me get through this. It took him dying to help me get through this." So like, I feel like I need a symbol of that. That's hopefully going to happen later tonight. And you know, like, like I work, I work at the Marathon gas station and I'm an assistant manager up there. Well, I have people that come in and they buy a 24 pack of beer and three packs of smokes every single day. And I see people come in, they got their lives together, they're driving nice car. And so like I, when I'm at work, I try to talk to people and get into their personal lives. So if there's something bad going on in their life, Maybe I can, like, you know, push it on them, like, hey, you know, there's better ways to live. Life is awesome. That's what I try to do on a daily basis is try to help at least one person realize how great life is. I have this one guy that comes in. His house had got burnt down right before Christmas. He he put his Christmas tree up. He left for an hour. When he came back home, his house was in flames. Police were there trying to put the fire out, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's telling me this and he's talking about how he hates his life and, you know, he's just, he wants to just put a gun to his head and shoot himself. And I was like, man, like I told him the story about my brother and I was like, if you ever need anything, if you ever feel like you're going to go through with it, give me a call. Like, I don't care what time it is. It can be 2.30 in the morning. Give me a call, you know? And that's what I try to do every single day. Just try to try to help at least one person understand how good life actually is and that helps you how well that helps me because just like they say in na you can only keep what you have by giving it away by showing other people me showing other people that life is good helps keeps me from going back to that, that lifestyle because i see what they're going through and i see where i am now and so when I help somebody, it, it it gives me, like, the power to keep on going and keep on trying to succeed and keep on doing what I do, doing things to better myself every day. Man, Caleb, you're, you're a different person than you were a year ago, six months ago, three years ago, five years I'm a, ago. I'm a different person than I probably was a month ago, you know what I mean? That's, <laughs> that's the kind of change that goes on in my life. At least that's how it feels to me, you know. I mean, to people looking in, it might not look so intense and so big. But, like, to me, like, my life is turning into this huge story. Like, it's a it's a good story, you know. And my life just keeps turning into something more and more and more all the time. And when you look at it every day, nothing changes. But you look back from a, a month from now and, you know, it's like, dang. You know, I done got myself a new car this week or, <laughs> or you know, whatever it might be. I, I, I love the change in life, though. Like, I think that's really another thing that helps me keep going is is the, the, the changes. You know, if you stay stagnant, you don't do anything. You just keep doing the same thing. Eventually, you're going to grow some bacteria and that bacteria is going to take over. You know what I mean? Like stagnant water. Yeah. It's going to have some bacteria in it. That's probably not good for you. And that's how I look at life is 
you know, you gotta, you gotta keep moving. You can't just, can't just like chill out. <laughs> Gail, thanks for your honesty. Thanks for, thanks for going through this with the people who listen to this show. It, it really does matter. You, you really do matter and you do have a story that's important to be told. So I want to, I want to help you facilitate that. I'm going to sign off and then I want to talk to you off the air about, uh, next steps if you're interested. Is that okay? Of course. Of course. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on here too, Aaron. It really means a lot to me. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you want to talk. You, you can call me and we'll set up a show. Parents, I, uh, I hope you listened. I hope you, hope you saw how far that this goes. Not, I don't mean on the outside with what addicts do, but on the inside with what's going on on that inside. As always, parents, you gotta take care of yourself first and you take care of your adult relationship second and you take care of your children third because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I want to thank my guest, Caleb so much for being not just a part of the show, but a part of my life. And folks, you've been listening to Beyond Risk and Back. I will talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility. And also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to FireMountainPrograms.com. Join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com.